When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Football Social Daily. Keeping you up to date with the latest from the English top flight. There is one place you can find Premier League podcasts every single day of the football season and you found it. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social and we are once again going to be tackling the latest news from the English top flight. Today that means new contracts for two massive players at teams who will most likely be at either end of the Premier League table come the end of the season. It means a potential return of a former Premier League superstar to these shores as those rumours around a Gareth Bale return gain some momentum. And it also means we'll be tackling your questions that are coming via social media in our AQA section of the show. And if you're a seagull, and by seagull I mean a fan of Brighton Hove Albion, rather than a large seabird. Your team is under the bright lights today in our floodlight focus towards the end of today's show. So, to tackle all that, we have Marley Anderson alongside me. Hello, Marley. Hello, Jim. And we've got a new signing to Football Social Daily. The team, the uh, youth prospects that we brought through, Matt Peard. Hello, Matt. Are you right? Hi, guys. You're all right. Good to be here. Good to have you on, making your debut as well. I'm Jim Salverson, by the way. I don't think I introduced myself. So, we're going to start off talking about contracts because the ink is still drying on a couple of contracts that will be heralded as good news as good a news as new signings potentially for their respective clubs Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang he's bagged a three-year deal with Arsenal that's going to net him around 60 million quid in wages meanwhile Jack Grealish he's got a five-year deal at Aston Villa which ends all that speculation around his future and potential moves this window. Now, both signings have been greeted with wide celebration from the fan base, but which are those two, Aubameyang at Arsenal or Grealish at Aston Villa, do you think is the more important, Marley? I'd say what, they're, I'd say they're both as, almost as important as each other because they're, they're both... They're both very similar to what they are for their club. They're both club captain. They're both probably the, each club's best mm. player, um, and they're both absolutely integral to what what both teams do. Um, Arsenal look to Aubameyang to finish pretty much every attack they make. Um, I think he's scored what twenty goals a season for the last two or three years easily. He's he's mm-hmm. the finishing touch on everything. Whereas Grealish is the sort of orchestrator of everything good about Aston Villa. The um, the only difference is, I think Grealish needs a bit more support around him. Um, but if they'd have lost him this year, it would have been absolutely catastrophic, I think, for Villa if if they'd have gone down last year, or even if they'd have stayed up last year and, and sold him to Man United or whoever whoever wanted to buy him. Um, I think it would have mm. been an absolutely massive loss um, and catastrophic for the club. But they've managed to tie him down for the, I think it's for the next five years now. So. Um, yeah, he's practically been there his whole career, hasn't he? I don't think he's had any any loan spells anywhere. He's just a Villa lad, and that's yet yeah, huge for the fans. Like it's absolutely massive to have one of your own sort of uh, prospects go through all the way through the academy 
then to lead the club and get into the team and then to to make uh, make captain in England debut as well. So I think it's uh, it's great for both teams. I think they'd have been in, in really tough places if they'd have uh, sold their uh, their main assets kind of thing or lost them to uh, to a contract running down. But um, it's massive, so fair play to the pair of them. They can, they can now plan on with the best players, which is always a lot easier than planning for life and trying to invest when you've cashed in on, on them instead of uh, keeping them. With the Jack Grealish thing, there's a part of me that feels a little bit disappointed that he's staying at Aston Villa. And I think that's probably unfair on Aston Villa because and on Jack Grealish, maybe, because I know it's his boyhood club. I know it's the team he supports and probably if we all got the chance to play for our teams, we want to stay there and see out our careers there. But at the same time, I kind of feel like there was the potential for him to do a little bit better and maybe make that step up and prove himself and become that England regular. Whereas for me, Matt, it feels like potentially he won't fulfil his full potential playing at Aston Villa? Well, it all depends on where he sees his career, obviously, in five years' time. He's just signed that five-year contract. Does he have ambitions to go on and do bigger and better things? Or does he want to become Mr Aston Villa? Does he want to be like, you know, Marley's team, Newcastle? Does he want to be like their Alan Shearer? You know, mm. does he want to be their 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 boyhood, you know, their, their town hero? Um it has been slightly disappointing. I thought Spurs were going to come in for him and I think he's got the potential to do a little bit more at Spurs um, and possibly even a top four club. When you, when you look at his style of play, he'd suit, well, I don't know if he'd get in our starting eleven, but I'd, I'd quite like to see him in a blue shirt at some point, Man City. Mm. He, um, he takes games by the scruff of the neck. He, he's pretty much single-handedly helped keep you know, Aston Villa in the Premier League. And I don't know how Aston Villa are going to do this season. Obviously, the season's only you know one game old. Um, if Villa get a top ten finish this season, that that would be a great season for them. And obviously, they could push on from there. Are we being harsh on Aston Villa though here? Because I mean, he signed a five year deal. We spoke to Rob, the Aston Villa fan, yesterday, and he was telling us that. There's a decent amount of money in the club. They have got ambitions, and they're showing a bit of that ambition this window. They've signed Ollie Watkins from Brentford for a record fee, which is a great signing. Um, I'm not sure whether Martinez has completed from Arsenal, but that deal looks pretty much done he's, in terms of He's just his... signed this morning, Martinez. He's just signed this morning. There we go. Breaking news on Football Social Daily. <laughs> deal done. Um, so we know the club have ambitions. So they could have sat down with him and gone... Look, look, Jack, we're going to invest around you. We're going to build a team around you. We're going to be top six in the next three years, which kind of changes the optics a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's what he, he said. I, I watched an interview of his this morning on Sky Sports News and um, he said his chairman um, gave him a FaceTime call and basically convinced him to uh, to stay. So obviously he's, he's made a few promises to him and made a, a few statements to him, you know, that's obviously obviously made his mind up for him and said to him, mm. basically, I'm going to stick with Aston Villa and I'm going to sign a five-year contract and we're going to see where we are in five years' time. And if you do start to push up the table. Obviously, look at Wolves at the moment. Wolves, great investment from their chairman. They're starting to push for a, a top six, you know, place. He started well against Sheffield United. I'm actually worried about playing them next week, Wolves. I think, uh, mm. I think obviously, we've not really signed any defenders that could have um, an effect on us. They've got um, some informed strikers as well. But if Jack Grealish does see out the five-year contract because we all know that contracts don't really mean anything in football nowadays. Yeah, yeah. It can just um, it can just hike up transfer prices. If he does see out that five-year contract, it really will be interesting to see where they are in, in at that point in time. See, if we get into another cup final, if they win, say, a Carabao Cup or an FA Cup, that could um, that, that could attract more you know, high-quality players to Villa. And then they could build that team around Grealish then. So it will remain to be seen. But it's, it's, def it's definitely an interesting one. I expected him to be moving on. Reports yeah. are it's got a massive buyout clause in his contract as well, which obviously if you're an Aston Villa fan playing for Aston Villa, it gives a little bit of protection to the club you support as well. So you can kind of see why he's made that move. As for Aubameyang at Arsenal, obviously no such loyalties there to his team, but he has signed a new deal that is for an eye-watering amount of money. As I said at the top of the podcast, £20 million a year he's going to be picking up in wages. Do you think it was wages 
that has been the motivating factor here, Marley? Has it been cold, hard cash or has it been a slight change in ambition from Arsenal as well? A lot's been made on social media, particularly by Arsenal fans, how the impact Arteta has had and he's managed to convince Pierre to stay at the club for another season. Which way do you think it goes, this one? Combination of the two? Is it just a matter of... Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang wanting to be the highest played Arsenal player and now he's got that he's overtaken Ozil I think it's a, a bit of both to be honest but if you're saying it's, I don't think it's like 50-50 I think it's probably more sort of 70-30 in favour of Arteta's um, presence and, and what Arsenal have done since he okay. came in um, I think with obviously money's always going to help um, and especially a guy who's is 31 it's pretty much his last big contract of his career um, he probably won't get as much money once he turns 34 and either signs a new deal or leaves and goes somewhere else, unless he, unless China is still in a way money like they usually do. But uh, it depends. Um, it depends on what he wants at that point. But at this point right now, I don't think there's any um, doubt that that um, Mikel Arteta has had a massive impact in, on changing what Arsenal think they can be. I think um, they've. They were stagnating under Unai Emery, and I think if Emery was still there, even even just to the end of last season, I think Aubameyang would have been would have packed his bags and, and left. Um, but the fact that Arteta's came in with a fresh fresh ideas, a new way of playing, um, and they've won the uh, won the FA Cup, I think it just uh, reignites that belief that they can they can enter a sort of new era under him, and he can be there for a long time. I think. He probably expects uh, Aubameyang probably expects Arteta to be there for the three years he's he's just signed on for and more maybe so um, everything everything's right for him at the minute I think he's the main man he's the captain he's scoring goals Arsenal are, are doing well they've got a new manager they've won a trophy recently they're in they're in Europe is the best played player I don't think there's much real chance uh, real sort of pull for him to leave I don't think. Um, Especially with you think about the teams that might buy him, I think Barcelona could could always come in for him. Yet yeah, they're uh, you know under they're doing all sorts of stuff in the transfer window, trying to get set for a season under Ronald Koeman. Um So they're not really in a position to buy him. Real Madrid don't need anyone. PSG have still got Mbappe, um, Neymar, Ricardi to all fit into that team. Um, so I don't really think there was too much of a of a pull elsewhere. I think um, it just came down to ironing out, you know, crossing the I's and dotting the T's kind of thing. So it's as simple as uh, as simple as that, really, for for Aubameyang. So um, it's good for Arsenal to to uh, to get him for the next three years because if you're looking to try and replace a guarantee twenty goals a season, there's absolutely no guarantees over anything um, in the in the mm. transfer market. You could go and spend a hundred million. On a striker and end up with somebody who scores nine or ten in his first year, and all of a sudden, you're looking like you've uh, you've wasted the money. So, it's good for uh, it's good for Arsenal to not have that headache um, and to guarantee uh, twenty goals a season in their front line. So happy days for them. Quite often, people say that a contract extension is as good as a new signing, and that's probably pretty true in this case because, as you say, they would have had to spend. £70 million replacing Aubameyang so getting in for another three years is like a new signing. The statement from the player, it said, I believe in Arsenal we can achieve big things together we have something exciting here and I believe the best is yet to come for Arsenal, which is saying all the right things he missed off the next line which should have been I've seen Arteta coach and he's turned Granit Xhaka into a decent player so the man can work miracles, which should have been the next line (laughs) of that statement Uh, Let's move across London briefly in across North London in fact to Tottenham just down the road where there's rumours of a return to Spurs for Gareth Bale. Now these rumours have moved from the rumour mill to whatever it is that comes after the rumour mill, the rumour bakery, I don't know, whatever comes after the rumour mill. In other words, it's gone from gossip to proper news now and it feels like this one's getting a little bit closer now, Matt. Bale's agent has publicly said that his player loves Tottenham and his player wants to be at Tottenham, which it feels like it might be a time for for Spurs fans to get excited about this one. Yeah, the, the move to me, it makes sense all round. Tottenham obviously crying out for some new players. Gareth Bale knows the club inside out. He's loved by the fans. I mean, one one of the, the best individual seasons I've ever seen personally from, from a player in the Premier League was um, Bale's 12-13 season. 
I mean, mm. granted, he's obviously a little bit older now, probably can't produce that kind of quality, but he still can produce that quality when he's not on the golf course. Um, <laughs> He's gonna he's gonna sell shirts for him. He's gonna he's gonna get um he's gonna get the fans excited again. He's gonna possibly give them that push into the top four. And if he does produce, then I don't know about have, have the transfer um, figures been discussed or. Well, there's a, there's a couple of rumours around that. There's a few different people debating different things. There's a suggestion it could be a loan move, largely because I imagine. A combination of the massive wages and a potential transfer fee. Real still keen to get a transfer fee. Kind of makes it unachievable for Spurs to reach both. But the other thing that's been discussed is potentially Deli Ali going the other way as a make weight. So we've got to assume that Real Madrid haven't watched Deli Ali play in at least two seasons if they're after him as a player. But that would be interesting for Ali, I guess, going to Real Madrid because he has stagnated at Spurs over the last couple of years. So that change of club, that change of coaching, it, it could regenerate him, I guess, as well, Matt. He's gone. He's gone from being one of England's like next up and coming young stars to just to just being just being Deli Ali, just the player, the, <laughs> the player that's just um, average week in week out, and that is disappointing because when we seen him first first onto the scene for Spurs, he was scoring all types of goals. He was yeah. popping here, there, and everywhere. And there was talk. There was talks of him having this massive uh, future ahead of him, and all of a sudden, he's just gone off the radar completely. And I don't know if you've watched um, the All or Nothing Spurs documentary on Amazon. It's, I'm halfway through, so no spoilers. No, no, no spoilers. I'm sure they're going to go on and win something at the end of it, so don't spoil that for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no spoilers. Um, just looking at his, his his general attitude in the um, in the dressing room, it seems like he's got a lot of growing up to do, even mm. though he's at an age where he should be. You know, he should be one of the sort of like more senior players in the dressing room now with what his experience has got. I've seen, I've seen a few clips of him, and his, his attitude can can be a little bit um, can be a little bit childlike. So I don't know if Spurs are secretly just thinking, you know, if Bale, if Bale comes, then that's it. Delhi's gone. That's that's going to be the make way for him. And if he does go to Real Madrid, the, the culture over there is completely different. The press over there are completely different. The fan base are over there are completely different. I don't know if he'd be able to handle it personally. I don't know if he'd mm. be able to handle going, putting on the uh, the white shirt in Madrid because that has a lot of responsibility. And we've seen it with Gareth Bale in his first season. It was everything was fantastic for Madrid. He was he was scoring goals. He was getting goals in cup finals. And then all of a sudden, a few bad performances here and there, and the fans get on your back. And I mean, there's no fans in the stadiums at the moment, but still, social media has a lot to to. Um, to say far these days, especially with um, with fans' opinions on players, if he does go over there, he does have to pull his finger out, and he does have to to grow up really quickly. Because Spurs is one thing, Real Madrid is a completely different level. It's interesting how you talk about Gareth Bale and his performances slipping at Real, because you look at this. This is kind of the the idea is that he's not performed particularly well, and the Real Madrid fans seem to have this opinion that he's not performed particularly well but you look at his stats Marley he's got three Champions League titles he scored over 100 goals for them as well I've, you'd have to look back on his signing and I know he cost them an absolute fortune in transfer fees and in terms of the wages he's collected a lot of which he's been injured for but it'd be, it'd be harsh to judge it as a bad bit of business wouldn't it? Uh, what signing, signing him on loan or signing, signing him permanent? No, well, no, Real Madrid actually taking him in the um, first place from Spurs. To be honest, I agree with Matt. I, I can't see him sort of just settling into Real Madrid. I think the one thing that's always struck me about Real Madrid is the fact that British and English players over there, they never get a good time. They never get a fair whack of it. They always seem to be frozen out after a few years and moved on in sort of like forgotten about kind of thing, not really appreciated, I think. Bill, I think Bill misses that. I think Bill's interviews and stuff recently, like his lack of respect for Real Madrid is kind of mirroring what they've shown in him. So to yeah. to sort yeah, to sort Actually, of um yeah. to sort of relate that to Deli Ali, I think he's quite a uh what's the word? Possibly petulant at times. Um I think he needs a, I think he needs a lot of coaching. I think if he went to Real Madrid and he did similar things that he's done at Spurs, I think he'd just be sort of just forgotten about and thrown on the scrap heap a little bit. I can't see mm. Deli Alli going to Real Madrid in any way. I'm, I'm shocked this rumour has even come about. I, I 
just don't see where it's come from at all. Um, but I mean, if it gets bail, then maybe it's a price they're worth. They're thinking that it's worth paying. So uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I, I can't see Ali being involved in the deal for bail. I think that's. I could. I don't even know where it's come from. It could just be paper talk. I'm. I'm not really sure. But it doesn't seem to fit for me. Um, although Bill to Bill to Spurs is a little bit more of a. Uh, a genuine fit kind of thing. I guess, I mean, quite often when you get rumours about players going to other clubs like Deli Ali going to Real Madrid, it's actually an agent saying, my player's keen for a move rather than actually any genuine interest. My original question was about Gareth Bale and Real Madrid's value in signing him, by the way, but you answered a completely different question, Marley, but you do you. That's fine. You do your own <laughs> podcast. Um, I just want, Before we move on, I want to stick on Spurs a second, and I wasn't going to mention anything from last night's Caribou Cup games, uh, but there was an interesting bit in Leighton Orient versus Plymouth Argyle, not because the game finished 3-2 and was quite an exciting game, but because on the front of Leighton Orient's shirts, there was a new sponsor, and the sponsor just read, thank you, Frontline Heroes. And if you spotted that, you might not have clocked. It was paid for by Harry Kane, who has supported his own club and paid for the sponsorship on their shirt, and he's going to be having different charity sponsors throughout the season, which I think is a great gesture from Harry Kane, and I think it's a great way for players who have cut their teeth in the lower leagues to support the teams and clubs that are potentially in trouble over the next 12 months. So, round of applause to Harry Kane. Well done, mate. Uh, Right, we're going to come back in a second. We're going to answer your questions in the AQA section of the podcast. All questions answered, and we'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Instagram at Sports Social Official. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. It is the AQA section of the podcast. It's something we're going to do regularly on a Wednesday show now. We did them on a Friday. We've moved them to Wednesdays because there's often less football to actually talk about on a Wednesday. If you want to get your questions in, you can do so via social media. Our Twitter is The Sports Social. Our Instagram is Sports Social Official. You can search Sports Social on Facebook or you can find links to all that stuff and a load more on the website sports-social.com. .co.uk. Right, are you ready for this, Matt? This is your first AQA, all questions answered. Uh, first question is, what colour pants are you wearing? No, it's not. It's from Ben on Instagram, who says, who are you backing for promotion to the Premier League this season? So it's kind of Premier League related. Who do we think is going to come up from the Championship to the Premier League? Marley? Oh, I've no idea. It's the most <laughs> mental league. It's a crazy it league. Is, um I was to be to be honest I was looking at at Watford's um Watford's uh squad because they released the squad numbers last last uh, week and they've got something like 35 35 players and I was like if ever a squad was I mean I know there's outgoings to come at Watford yeah. but still like if you get rid of like five players that's still a huge squad um and you can only you can only register twenty five, I know, but when you've got thirty to pick from, your twenty five looks a bit stronger than than it would normally. But I can't I can't see against them. I can't back against them. I think even if they get a, a few of their top players sort of taken, I still think they've got enough to come uh, to come back up. So um, I think the new manager. I don't know anything about him at all. That Ivich or whatever he's called. I don't even know where he comes from. He looks like one of them gangsters from. Uh, from taken that take uh, you know that steal his daughter and bugger off to Albania <laughs> or whatever it is. He look he looks like one of them and he to be honest he scares me. So if he's listening to this, please don't come to my house. I'm very much scared of you. So but I think he'll be um I think he'll 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 get them up. I think Watford have got enough about them to, to come back up. So uh I'd probably pick Watford. Um who else? I'm I'm a bit confused about Bournemouth because I don't know who they're gonna, <laughs> who else they're gonna get stripped off them in the next couple of weeks, because yeah. um, they could be down to the the skeleton, a sort of skeleton squad um, in terms of who they've lost. But I still, if I think if they keep the squad as it is now, I I, I think they'll be up there or thereabouts. Um, and I'd like to see Brentford um, do something that uh, that they couldn't last year. Obviously, they've lost Watkins and they might lose Ben Rama as well, but. Still, I mean, the the way they operate as a club, um, you know, buying buying for pittance and selling for for millions, moving yeah. into a new stadium, 
they've got still got a cracking squad and they play really nice football. So, from a football perspective, I hate I hate when teams like Cardiff and uh, you know, clubs like that, the clubs that just lump it long towards a big lad up front. Uh, I hate it when they they end up coming up to the Premier League because they end up just getting mm-hmm. completely killed every week. So, I'd like to see a team in the who play the sort of right way to, to come up and that's why I'd quite like to see Brentford in the Premier League. I think Brentford's a really interesting one, actually, because as you say, they've lost Ollie Watkins, Ben Rama's probably going to go, they might lose a couple more before the window shuts as well, but I think one of the really interesting things about Brentford is the way they recruit and as you say, they find little gems and they do it purely on stats, I believe, rather than necessarily scouting players. So it'll be interesting to see if they can do it again and bring those players through and step up. Really fascinating project. So I think it'll be interesting to see them challenge for promotion, whether they do it or not as a completely different matter. Because as you say, bonkers league. I think Watford are probably a reasonably safe bet to come back up. I think Forest are always there or thereabouts. So they'll be knocking on the door this season, maybe Derby too. But really difficult to predict. Matt, who are you going for? I was going to say, that you, you, I'm surprised you've not mentioned them. I'm going to go with Norwich. So they've kept all the Daniel Farker and they've still got Timo Pukki, who's a proven championship goal scorer up front. Um, is Todd Cantwell still playing for them? Cantwell's still there. Max yeah. Aaron's is still there yeah. as well. Quality, they've still got some really quality, some really quality players there. So and I know Norwich are a typical yo-yo team as well. So obviously they've got the experience there, you know, to to, to bounce back up again. I think um, I think Norwich will be ones to watch as well this season. Interesting shout that. Yeah, I suppose they will be probably there or thereabouts, and maybe the lack of activity for a lot of clubs financially will benefit them because they're not a club who's historically had much cash to spend either. Right, Harry on Twitter has got the next question. This is uh, one that's going to cause somebody to get upset at some point. Which team is better? Manchester United 2008 or the current Liverpool side? Go on, Matt, you can upset people first. As a City fan, you're in a perfect position to upset United and Liverpool fans. (laughs) Right, well... I'm gonna go with United's 07, 08 season purely because you did the uh, the Premier League and the Champions League in the same season. Liverpool yep. bowed out of the cup competitions relative, relatively early, I'll say the domestic ones anyway. Um, and the Champions League, obviously, they got knocked out by Atletico Madrid. And if they, they had a shout to be even anywhere near that Man United squad from that season, they would have had to have do some done something else over than win the Premier League. I mean, I know they won it with 99 points. But it's just the, the, the amount of trophies that United won that season, and especially the, the two biggest ones that you can possibly win, the Premier League and the Champions League. I think United's 07-08 season, um, yeah, it, it, it tips, um, tips Liverpool for me. I, d- I don't even see how there's an argument here, personally. As you say, they've won the Premier League, whereas United won the Champions League, and it was their second of three Premier Leagues. If you look at the squads man for man, potentially you might go, well, there's a couple of better Liverpool players because that United squad had Wes Brown and Nanny playing in it. So it's like, yeah, they're right. there might be some wiggle room there, but I think it's completely undoubted. You can't argue that this Liverpool side are better than that Manchester United side. Can you, Marley? Well, <laughs> uh, n- no, you can't. <laughs> you, you, just, you just can't, can you? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean they scored more points. Scored more points in the Premier League, but wow, brilliant, great! You still won the league. So did Man United. So you still both won one Premier League trophy at the end of it. Um, you still got the same prize kind of thing. So if you look back at that that Man United side, it was absolutely ridiculous. The 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 um, the talent they had in it. You know, Ronaldo, Rooney up front. Wasn't exactly a bad uh, a bad thing. They had Tevez. They had, you know, the the back four. They had Ferdinand, Vidic, Van der Sar. All these players. Evra was one of the best in the world in his position when he was when he was there uh, in that sort of era, that t- that time period. And as as you guys have said, I mean, Liverpool literally gave up pretty much every cup competition to uh, to win the Premier League last season. Mm-hmm. Whereas Man United went and uh, won the Champions League as well, um, and that that's all it comes down to. Because um, they they both won the Premier League, so they cancel each other out. That's great. And then you then you have to look at what they did in other competitions because they run simultaneously. They play twice a week. Man United won 
think five out of six games in the group stage of the Champions League. Um, barely missed a beat in that, and then you know made the way through the the knockout stages pretty comfortably. And Liverpool didn't. Liverpool just sort of, you know, they they got frustrated by by Atletico Madrid, and some would say even tactically outwitted by uh, by Real Madrid, um, Atletico Madrid, sorry, and uh, Man United just breezed through the Champions League. They didn't lose a game in the entire entire competition. Um, simple as that, really. I can't, I can't, I can't even begin to make uh, an argument for for Liverpool's current team being uh, better than the Man United one in 2008. I also seem to remember there being this fear factor around United that there isn't necessarily around Liverpool at the moment. They had an aura that, particularly for a fan like me supporting a lower table team like West Ham, when you played United, you had no hope you'd get anything from that game. It was kind of a case of, right, you just write it off and go to the next weekend, which I don't think Liverpool have got yeah, and they've kind of ground out results this season, Liverpool. There have been times where they haven't played brilliantly and they've still won, which is undoubtedly the sign of a brilliant team and it's something United did brilliantly. But I don't think they've got quite the same aura that that Manchester United team have. So yeah, I think we're all in agreement. Manchester United still for Liverpool. They need to win a, uh, need to win a treble, need to get the Liverpool... Uh, title back to Liverpool three years in a row or something like that and then we can start comparing them right final question for the AQA section is from Diana who says now we've had games week one for most teams anyway she says which team do you think has the capacity to surprise a few people this season first off I'd just like to say I'm not comfortable with calling weeks of football games week this isn't this isn't America it's not fantasy football it's real life it's the Premier League so let's Stop that now, please. But which team has really impressed you, I guess the question is, in the first week, the first round of fixtures? Who do you think could do something that maybe they weren't expected to do this season, Matt? Um, there's, there's two that spring to mind. Do we have to pick one of the two? Yeah, go for one. I'm going to go one. for Everton. I think Everton have made some, some really decent signings. They've got a manager there that's a proven winner. And he's starting to build his squad now. You can see that. And I mean, Spurs on when we did play him Sunday. I actually, I had, I've got a little predictions league with my friends, and they all slated me. They all slated me picking Everton. <laughs> I actually picked Everton to win. I could see Everton just going there and getting a result, and everyone else picked Tottenham. And I was just, I was, I was sat there at the end, vindicated with my decision. And I can see Everton this season pushing for the, the top six with Wolves as well, because Wolves were. Me, the other one, but if you're going to make me choose one of the two, I'm going to go with Everton over Wolves just because of the manager and some of the signings that they've made. I think that they can just give them that real um, push this season just to go and um, just to go to go and um, invade that top six. Interestingly, Wolves was the team I picked, which I wasn't sure whether it was justified or not, because it depends who you speak to as to what the expectations are for Wolves this season. Some people are saying they won't repeat what they did last season, others are saying. Top four. And I don't think top four is crazy for them after seeing them play Sheffield United earlier in the week because they were dominant against Sheffield United, who won't be pushovers this season. And if players like Raul Jimenez, who I've said before, I think is probably the most complete forward in the Premier League. And I think it's amazing that someone hasn't come in with a massive bid for him, but they've hung on to him. And if he maintains the form that he showed in that first game going into the rest of the season, I think top four, at the cost of who, I don't know, but I think top four could be a realistic ambition for Wolves this season. Marley, who have you picked for your surprise package? Uh, surprise! I don't know about surprise package because um, we've talked about them a lot on on the podcast over the, the last few weeks. But um, the first performance in the Premier League summed it up, and I'm still going to pick uh, Leeds just because I was thinking about you know the performance against uh, against Liverpool Anfield, and you might say you know they they approached it in a bit of a, a crazy way that might not pay off every week, but... They conceded four goals, I know, but also... <laughs> in their opening Matt, fixture. How many teams will go to Anfield and score three goals this season? Not, there's not, I'll tell you not what, many. I'll give you that one, Mark. Not, not many. There was no fear. It's, it was a bit naive, but there was no fear there, and it will pay off for them in some games that maybe not at Anfield, but it'll pay off bottom in some games out. I think Liverpool were very, very poor defensively in that game though. They 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 gifted them the three goals. I don't think I've seen Virgil van Dijk have a worse game of football in a Liverpool shirt yeah. 
But exactly. But you're right. Uh, the 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 the, uh, the attacking ambition is there. They're going to be good to watch, Luke. Yeah, they're going to be going to be great to watch. They were doing some, you know, the analysis on on match of the day where they were leaving sort of four players up up the pitch um, at all times to try and pin Liverpool back, um, and they could exploit uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold's defensive ability because I'll, I'll say it until until I'm blue in the faith that lad can't defend, um, and they and they. Proved that when they got in with Jack Harrison's goal, he took that took that absolutely brilliantly. Jack Harrison, you very rarely see a guy score from that position that he picked up the ball, but he managed to skin uh, Trent and, and score the goal. Um, and they did it two or three times. The pass into Click for his goal was was superb. Um, his finish was excellent as well. I just think the way the way they play, I think with I just think you've got to be very strong to sort of. Um, survive that kind of way they play like you've got to be incredibly mm. good going forward because you need to pick them off because it's almost like a basketball match when you play Leeds they, it's end to end like you attack then we attack and then we'll leave players up so if you don't score when you attack you've you've got a, a four and four situation at the back um, and our wingers will attack you and, and they'll pin you back and they, they won't defend as much so you've got to then Take the gamble of of do you do you throw your your full backs forward to try and counter them or are you scared of our wingers getting in behind you? I just mm. think I've seen Leeds play two Premier League teams in the in the past year and they've been Liverpool and Arsenal uh, in the FA Cup third round and they outplayed them for but for massive parts of both games and they they lost both games but very very narrowly and I just think when they play someone like Crystal Palace or possibly Newcastle or Burnley or uh, anyone in that bottom half I just think they'll absolutely kill them because they won't have the tactical knowledge to not well not necessarily the tactical knowledge just the the sort of talent to to cope with what they've got and to uh, and to sort of come through that test that they've got so I I can't see any. I can't see past them. I know they conceded four, but I don't think many teams are going to be good enough to put four past them because not every team's got Mo Salah on absolute flames, scoring <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous volleys and a couple of penalties as well. So it's one of them. I think they'll. I think they'll do absolutely fine. It's a bold choice, but maybe not a crazy choice. No one mentioned Brighton after their opening day loss to Chelsea, although they put up a good fight. But we are going to talk about Brighton next. They are our team in focus for Floodlight Focus, and we'll be talking to the Albion Roar next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at the Sports Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Our team in focus today is Brighton and Hove Albion. They are the subject of Floodlight Focus, and I'm delighted to have Alan from the Albion Raw on the podcast. Hello, Alan. Morning, Jim. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, Tar. Let's get the plug out of the way first. So if people are followers of Brighton and Hove Albion and they want to hear what you guys do, where can they find you? Okay, well, we're available just about everywhere. Primarily, we're on FM in the city of Brighton and Hove and that that footprint goes across the Sussex coast. But you can find us on DAB. You can find us online at radioreverb.com. That's our host station down here in Brighton and Hove. Um, Yeah, we've been doing this show for about 13 years. uh, loving every minute of it. Um, all ups and downs. Actually, all up so far. We've never had a relegation since we started the show, so let's hope that continues. Good luck, Charm. Like a pair of lucky pants or something. Yeah. <laughs> Not a 13-year-old pair of lucky pants, please. <laughs> right, let's talk about what's going on with your club at the moment, because obviously, beginning of the season, hopes are high, and... Last season, it was a little bit touch and go with Graham Potter. Fans seemed to me, from the outside, widely behind the manager and kind of the switch in footballing ambition, if you like, the desire to play a better style of football. Has that been the case? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, don't get me wrong, Chris Hewton was an absolute hero. And for me, it was always that kind of, um, right, who's the best ever Brighton manager? And Chris Hewton certainly challenged Alan Mullerys for that. Um, but it got to the second half of, of Hewton's last season, and, and frankly, I don't think everyone recognised that we stank the place out. <laughs> uh, the football became moribund. It was it was defensive. There was very little uh, ambition going forward. Um, I think the, the the forwards themselves weren't happy. I wouldn't say it was an unhappy club. Far from it. But I think that the end of Hewton's reign 
it scared the living daylights out of the chairman, Tony Bloom. So I think change was necessary. Um, yeah, and with Graham Potter, it, it, it was evident in the first game. We were away at Watford. You know, we were going forward. We were creating mm. chances. We won 3-0. It was good fun. Um, it hasn't always worked, but you can see what Potter is trying to do. He's trying to get the ball down, play it, play the intricate passes. I think it's it's a manager who needs players. For his system to work, it needs players of a, of a superior quality. Um, I'm not likening him to Rhinus Michaels, but Rhinus Michaels was the, the Holland manager in 1974 and their total football. Mm. He said he always said you need six or seven world-class players to play this style. Now, it's obviously not making that direct contrast, uh, that, that direct comparison. But what I would say is that you need players of good quality to play Potter's style or it just won't work. Is that realistic for the club then? Because it, it, with the best one in the world, Brighton and Hove Albion and very unlikely to become a club with loads of cash to spend. But there does seem to have been a slight focus on youth development, maybe, with the likes of Ben White and Lamptey and Connolly and Alzat, etc. Is is that kind of the... So in lieu of not being able to go out and buy the world-class players, uh, Brighton decided, you know what, we're going to make them ourselves. Yeah, we seem to have a factory full of central defenders at the moment. The thing about... <laughs> The thing about, um, and we have to rewind 20 years to, to, to get the story started now. For those who remember, Brighton were homeless. We were nomadic. We were mm. Gillingham for two years, 75 miles away. We had the life after with Dean, which was supposed to be three years. It was 12. And once, once uh, Falmer, once the Amex was built with the generosity of Tony Bloom, he really did set about with a, a, a purpose and I think a clear plan and a clear vision, the future path, the journey of Brighton and Hove Albion. And that included... Um, uh, the, the, what they call the Elite Performance Centre, basically, the, where the development team uh, are, are doing their stuff. And there's a lot of players come through. They've, they've really um, invested heavily in the, the training centre at Lansing. They've got, we've got uh, a hell of a facility. They're probably one of the best in the country. And that's slowly but surely mm. now starting to reap its rewards. Now, you mentioned Aaron Connolly. You mentioned Stephen Alzati. Now, Alzati was... Uh, and Lamptey that you mentioned there, they were, they were kind of more acquisitions, but there are okay. some, like you say, mentioned. Well, Lewis Dunk going all the way back, but you're talking about Ben White as well. Uh, and there are others who are, are making the step up finally. Uh, Jason Malumbi is one of those that's coming through. Um, yeah, we'll watch this space for central defenders coming to near to you, and there's a good chance that they came from Brighton. So <laughs> it's part of a greater scheme in order to, yeah, we can't spend 50, 60 million pounds on a striker we desperately need, so we have to basically um, get our own ones coming through our own academy. It's interesting you mentioned strikers because we've had discussions on the oh, yes. Football Social Daily podcast about where our concerns are for Brighton, and it is goal scoring. Um, lots of questions about whether Malpe can do enough and get you enough goals this season is that something that is a concern to you where the goals are going to come from yes it's the same for just about every single Brighton fan um, <laughs> uh, and we've noticed that I mean Glenn Murray uh, with all due respect to him and bless him and he's 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 run through brick walls for us over the years he is he is now too old too slow he's not our man for for the future um, and he's gone on loan to Watford it mm. leaves us with Neil Mopai, it leaves us with Leandro Trossard and it leaves us with Aaron Connolly and, and, a, and a desperate inexperience in the Premier League. Yes, we need someone with experience, with goals, with, with guile, probably a, a bigger fella than the, the, what we currently have. And also, I think, and, and I, I don't want to denigrate the guy, he's one of our own. Neil Mopai, is the, 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 he's, the closest he can get to the finishing article is actually just to be better in front of goal. You know, that's what you expect of your strikers. Be more clinical, get the chance away, get the shot away, score the goal rather than, you know, stick it into row Z. It's, it's been so frustrating. We've created so many chances and the quality up front just has been lacking, I'm afraid. That's the magic, though, isn't it? That's the difference between mm. the strikers that cost you 30 million and the strikers that cost you 15 million, the ability to just stick it in the net when you get the opportunity. Absolutely, and that's the problem of where Brighton and Hove Albion is. We've been in the Premier League now for four years. We've we've been, you know, getting the assets in that we can. You know, in the first year we made a profit just because of the huge amount of money, you know, leak that that we made. But you know, we 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 have to do it sustainably. We have to do it, and, and COVID has, has destroyed everyone's plans. Mm. But we have to do it sustainably. And at the moment, we're going to end up marking time. Now, you could say we could go for a striker, but it has to be better, or at least as good as. 
uh, what we've got at the moment. Otherwise, there's no point in getting anyone in. Mm. And for that, especially with a Premier League club with aspirations that we have, we're going to spend money that we probably don't have. Or rather, what Tony Bloom is going to do, the chairman is going to do, he's not going to take a huge punt on uh, a play which may or may not work. Mm. He doesn't like spending the big money. He'd rather sort of cover his bases if he can. There was a little bit of intent and intention shown with Adam Lana coming to the club, which absolutely, which was a a big signing for Brighton to make, and you got it, the deal done early doors as well. So that shows a little bit of of where the club the, want to be, doesn't it? The recruitment team is actually very very proactive, but as as you kind of alluded to, it doesn't mean to say that we can actually just because we're we're active that we can go and get who we want. We mm. are only Brighton Hove Albion. We're not Manchester City. We're not Chelsea. We're not Liverpool. We're not Arsenal, and so on. So we are. Our purchasing power is only so limited. I think possibly it's, you know, Lallana has, would have taken a, a massive pay cut. I mean, I, lo- I do love the whole thing when they say, well, he's from Southampton, so he knows the area. And you think, well, Southampton's 70 miles away. It's not quite <laughs> the same. But, um, but I, I get the point. OK, for, for those who, who live up in sort of Manchester, Sheffield, Leeds area, then, yeah, anywhere south of Nottingham is going to be south. I get that. Um, but, but um, no, Lallana and, and Joel Veltman that we got from Ajax, I mean, that's, that's 30 million quid's worth of acquisitions we got there for 900 grand. I mean, that, mm. I'd like to think that's pretty good business. Um, yeah, Lalana's possibly happy to to continue his career in the Premier League, preferably without the pressure. I mean, at, at 32, or he's, and, and he is a bit of a sick note, is he going to, you know, be a bit of an expensive thing for Liverpool to keep? So, you know, let him, you know, play out the, 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 the last days of a career. Not, you know, in, in a, a Premier League graveyard, but hopefully, from his point of view, taking another football club to the next level and, and seeing if he can play his part. And I have every confidence, actually, I think he will. The, the way I've seen him starting mm. for us, um, he, he looks so at home in the midfield. It, you know, it's, it's like he's been here for ages. One of those can-he-keep-fit issues, I guess. Mm, absolutely. Well, he, he limped off against Chelsea, so um, how broken he is, I don't know at the moment. I mean, the other bit of ambition, I think, that's been displayed by the club is probably this, the contract extension for Lewis Dunk who mm. was linked with a move to all other a load of other clubs in the Premier League and it's mm. kind of been on the fringes of the England squad as well it must be quite reassuring to see him stay at the club when he probably could be becoming an England regular in the near future see that's that's the funny thing this is a kind of an annual occurrence that we've got now even when Lewis was in the championship you know I, I don't think any Premier League Club, any large Premier League club was going to take a punt on him if he had no experience in the Premier League. And now he's got it and, and he is seen as one of the more comfortable and competent defenders in the league, then yeah, he's going to be of interest. I mean, I think the thing that works against him is he's just about to turn 28. Who's going to cough up good money for him? Well, you got James uh, Trakowski, he's 27 and they're quoting 40, 50 million for him. So, you, well, you... yeah, yeah, I, I've got a feeling that I think the only team that would seem to really be linked to Lewis Duncan, that's only because it was his boyhood team, even though he was bright, was, was Chelsea. And Chelsea mm. said, well, you know, we're, we're going to look elsewhere. Maybe they could get a defender of what they considered equal status from somewhere else for cheaper. I don't know, given the, 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 the silly money that was being quoted. Um, yeah, the, 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 the pull for Lewis Dunk <clears throat> to stay at Brighton, I think, is very strong. He's, he's, he is a Brighton lad. Uh, elements of Jack Grealish at Aston Villa. It's, it's, you get the feeling it's going to be, for the most part, a one-club career. Um, from our point of view, we're absolutely cock a hoop about that. We are genuinely delighted. He is a captain leader, and, and if you excuse me lapsing into the vernacular, he's one of our own. <laughs> uh, before you, I'll let you go, Alan. Are you a fantasy football player? I'm not. My my co-host on the Albion Raw, Eddie Packham, is. Okay. Um, he plays this sort of thing, but what it means is that if I do play fantasy football... It means I have to care about teams that I don't normally care about. Sorry. Right, well, I'm going to ask you this question anyway and see if you've got any insight Go it. because it's the first couple of weeks of the season so where people are interested in fantasy football before it all falls away and they decide that their team mm-hmm. is rubbish, etc. etc. Now, Brighton is one of those teams that yep. you can look at and potentially pick up a good player that's low value but it's going to deliver the goods yep. if you know the club. Now, no one knows the club better than someone like yourself. So who would you be looking at? From a from that point of view, that maybe could be a yeah, it could be a, like a cheeky little Brighton and Hove Albion acquisition in there. 
Okay, well, if you're looking at assists, then you, you could go worse than, say, someone like Leandro Trossard or even Pascal Groats. Mm. Uh, you can pick up uh, point, You can pick up stuff from assists. Um, and even, actually, Tarek Lamptey. And there are occasions where the defence doesn't actually concede any goals, so you might get a double <laughs> bonus for that. Um, apart from that, I mean, I, 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 I'd steer clear of the strikers for the time being. Um but, yeah, I, I think in terms of quality, and I don't think it necessarily works for, for Fantasy League. I mean, my favourite, our favourite no. player at the moment, apart from Lamptey, is Yves Basuma. There's kind of a, a maverick about him, but he is a kind of a, uh, a, a defensive midfielder. You're not going to get points for, for defensing. You're not going to get points for assists from him. So therein lies one of the frustrations of Fantasy League. He's a player who's actually not going to contribute much to, to that sort of thing. So, OK, uh, uh, short answer from a long one. I'd look at either Pascal Gross, Leandro Trossard or Tarek Lamptey. Nice one. Alan, thank you very much. Been a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, you can go and find the Albion Raw in all the places that Alan mentioned at the top of this little chat. And uh, before I do let you go, really, what's, go your, what's your aspiration for the season? What do you think would be a decent finish for Brighton? An improve, I think an improvement on last year. It's, it's about, we, we, we can't spend our time forever looking over the trapdoor. We need to improve. Mm. It's, it's, just, it's part of it. It's, it has to happen. And watching the Chelsea game, all right, the, the result, I think, was a little bit harsh. But, you know, if you're not going to stick the ball in the net, you, you're not going to win. Mm. You know, I, I saw an improvement, an upgrade in quality. And if we can retain that, then I think we'd be OK. Top man. Good luck for the season, Alan. And it's been great to have you on Football Social Daily. All the best. That is it for Football Social Daily. Make sure you click subscribe. We're doing these every single day during the Premier League season, including Saturday and Sunday. Saturday morning, you get a preview show, and Sunday, we look back at all the fixtures. So make sure you subscribe so you get them as well. Matt, great debut. Seven out of ten, solid. Well done to Gareth Barry, I think. So thank you very much for being involved. Mr. Dependable. <laughs> and thanks, Marley. Um, same as always. <laughs> we, we know what to expect from you now. A nice solid three and a half out of ten performance from me. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Off, your, your wages are too high and we can't offload you. Right, <laughs> thank you very much. We'll see you next time for Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Find us on Facebook. Search Sport Social. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.